From The Cut and Gimlet Media, this is The Cut on Tuesdays. I'm your host, Molly Fisher. A while back, the writer Megan O'Connell was in the hospital getting ready to have a baby. This was her second kid. She'd scheduled a C-section. And things were reasonably calm in the grand scheme of giving birth. Her husband was there. They were chatting with the nurse. Megan had her IV in. And then the nurse asks Megan if they're going to have to, quote, use the clippers. It took her a second to register what the nurse was talking about, which was, they're going to shave my pubes now. This happens so the surgeon can make a clean incision. So Megan tells the nurse, yep, I will be needing a pubic haircut. My husband was like sitting next to me holding my hand and he looked at me all serious because he was trying to like, he said, be good at consent or something. And he was like, do you want me to leave the room? And I was like, no. He had, just to reiterate, already watched her give birth to their previous child. In mere minutes, he was going to watch a surgeon root around in her abdomen. He's about to see into my body cavity, you know, like my internal organs. The privacy ship would seem to have sailed. On the other hand, though, I kind of get it. You don't really want a supportive spectator hanging around while you get your crotch shaved. The shaving thing is one of those, did you know, revelations that new moms like to trot out to shock their childless friends. Did you know you might poop? Did you know they might shave your pubes? These things are a reminder that your body will always find ways to make things weird. You have created life, and you've still got to deal with your pubic hair. In a world where every updo has a YouTube tutorial, pubes retain a certain sense of mystery. I was talking about this a little while ago with Maddie Agler, who's a writer at The Cut. She showed me a photo that the model Amber Rose posted on Instagram last year, which Instagram almost immediately removed. She's like reclined on this staircase and she's wearing a black string bikini top and this diamond choker and these cool sunglasses. And she's in a black fur coat Uh and then no bottoms. And I was just like, damn, looking good. (laughs) Like, it's a real nice situation you got there. (laughs) To me, what just like blew me away is that she had like the most beautifully groomed pubes I've ever like seen in my life. It was like a fuller cut, definitely. Uh-huh. You could tell like there had been grooming around the edges. Like it was like very circular. Shaped. Yeah, it was definitely very shaped, but it was like very flattering, but still definitely like thicker. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like a landing strip or anything. Beautiful texture situation. Yes. Lush. And just like, yeah. It does really look like this is naturally how her pubes are growing. Like it doesn't look like she's done a lot of elaborate waxing to achieve this lovely symmetrical, limited, contained shape. Yes. I do feel like it's, like, the natural makeup look, like, of pubes. Yeah, it's the no makeup makeup of pubes. Exactly. Where it's like, oh, what, maybe I was just born like this. But, like, no, you weren't. I came of age in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s where it was, like, you had to be bald. Like, pubes were so gross. It was, like, Paris Hilton with the low, low jeans where there's no way on earth she could have had, like, anything down there. And then, as I got older, there was more the conversation of, like, women embracing body hair and stuff. And, like, I felt like uh, the conversation was always, like, should you have pubes or shouldn't you? And, like, 
But there was not a lot of conversation about, like, what's the actual maintenance? How can I, like, take care of my pubes? The late 90s and early aughts were, I feel like, a weird time to come of age pube-wise because you, like, potentially had this awareness that you should be getting rid of your pubes before you were in a position to have anyone see your pubes. Yeah. Like, that was a very, very stressful thing for me, I recall. And, like, just the fashion. Yeah. Like, trying to wear those really, really low-cut jeans. So unfortunate. But just, like, being like, how does anyone have body hair and, like, wear these clothes? Yeah. Um. So I kind of feel like that's, like, as crazy as it is, I kind of think that's my base, that I just assume everyone else is just, like, a Barbie doll it's underneath. like a dolphin, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's just, like, a balloon that, like, squeaks <laughs> when you touch it. Oh, God. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons I think about it a lot, because... <laughs> I feel like we have this conversation all the time about, like, how women are grooming themselves. And it's always presented as this political thing. And, like, we're talking about it so much. But for how much we talk about it, there's not a lot of conversation of just, like, hmm, what if I just want to, like, make it nice? Unlike almost anything else, like, you can tell what other people are wearing, like, how they're doing their hair, like, how they're doing their makeup. But this is just, like, a daily thing that everyone else does, but you have no idea how they're doing it. Yeah, it's such a drought of information. Like, we just have no clue where the pubic grooming styles are going. I want to be marketed to. Just sell me products. And, like, (laughs) I'm weak. Like, I will buy them. (laughs) I would love way more information. Just a lot of information. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Maddie wanted more information. The Cut on Tuesdays was happy to help. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hello. Hi, The Cut. So, let's see. Um, I hope this is the right number. I am calling to tell you about my pubic hair. I never thought I would respond to a question like this. Uh, I don't really know where to start. I feel like I've been waiting for this question my whole life, and I didn't even know that. I'm 23. 25. Almost 50. I am a Gen Xer. I'm 66. 30. Um, I'm 26. So. Okay, the pubes. My pubes are brown. Luscious. I feel like they look pretty normal. I love my pubes. I thought this was anonymous, but then it just said state your name, and I did. But whatever. I don't care. I hope this is the right number. Thanks. Bye. We asked many, 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 many people to tell us about their pubes. Listeners, friends, family, and yes, our coworkers. We heard how they feel about their pubes. We heard their pube-related beliefs and memories. And we heard their pube routines. Maddie, please enjoy. I wax. I've never waxed my pubic hair. Occasionally, I will shave. I don't do any upkeep. I've really enjoyed waxing. All natural. I do shave my bikini line. Somewhat trimmed. I have a bush. I don't shave. I don't trim. I wax my pubes all the way off. It hurts like a mother, but it's kind of habit. I have a full bush. I trim it. It is in jungle down there. Exfoliate the skin. Plucking like two or three hairs here and there. I do nothing and I love doing nothing. When I'm really stressed out or depressed, I get high and pull out my pubes with tweezers while I watch TV or listen to podcasts. The general impression you get after talking to a lot of women is that we are adrift in a vast universe of pubic possibility. We are improvising with the tools we've got on hand. I am Nikki Glazer. I am a comedian. When I've let it grow out, I often like to shave when I'm at Equinox. It's literally why I go to my gym. It's so I don't have to clean up the mess that I make when I shave my vagina once a month. It looks like I murdered a groundhog every time in my shower. 
there's no blood, but like, you know, it just looks like it's a it's a lot to clean up and it's a lot for your drain in a tiny New York apartment to take on. So I, I keep my gym membership. Literally, I just walk in the door and act like I'm going to work out. But then I go and shave my vagina in the locker room. About, I don't know, a year ago, I bought a little beard trimmer on Amazon for my pubes so that I could have a consistent length of pube in an easy sort of manner. Anyway, one night I was out with somebody and brought them home and realized, oh my God, I hadn't trimmed my pubes in a, in a long time and I wanted to do something about it. And I got home and I was like, okay, it's an emergency pube situation. I have my little beard trimmer. I'm going to go into my bathroom. It's going to take two seconds and I will have a perfectly like smooth, beautiful vagina. And uh, so I went into my bathroom and I turned on my beard trimmer, but it was really loud. Like the thing about a beard trimmer is that it like vibrates and it makes all kinds of noise. And I was like, oh shit. And it's like late and I'm like, oh my God, this guy's in my apartment. He's going to like hear me with like, he's going to think I'm like using my vibrator in the bathroom. Like, oh my God. So I like turned on my tap. And so then I, I like turned on the beard trimmer, but it was like, it was like still too loud. So then I went into, like, my bathroom's quite narrow, so I went into, like, the far corner of my bathroom with the tap on, and I, like, had to bring sort of, like, a garbage can with me to, like, kind of capture the hair as it fell, and I used it there, and, like, I just sort of realized, like, in that moment, this is the most inconvenient, ridiculous situation. Here I am with, like, my pants down in the far corner of my bathroom with the tap on, with the door locked, trying to just, like use this piece of equipment that I've bought to try and make my pube maintenance easier. So I'm African-American. I'm not going to say African-American. Fuck that. I'm black, so my hair is kinkier. Um, So I have coarser curls. They're not, like, super tight. They're not, like, uh, a Brillo pad, but they do curl in on themselves. Women also have happy trails. So for me, a big thing that I was self-conscious of was my happy trail for a long time um, because I grow hair everywhere, including uh, between my navel and my mound. When you do the little landing strip in the front, it reminds me of of Hitler's mustache. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Hitler stash down below, <laughs> which I don't want on me personally. It is strictly trimming with scissors. I do not mess with a razor. I do not mess with wax anymore. So for me, what a normal pubic care situation would be would be that like on a Sunday when I have some time, I'll take a shower, I'll exfoliate, uh, and then I'll take a pair of little baby scissors and I'll get myself a mirror. I'll hike a leg up and just get in there, sort of get it down to the length I like, which is, I don't know why I'd stop being graphic now, uh, but the length I like is is to where you can see skin. And then uh, the next thing I'll do is apply pubic oil. Um, I make my own batch. It's like a base of vitamin E oil, then I'll put some jojoba in it, and then clary sage oil. Um, and put on a robe and let it breathe. As I said, this is a vast universe of possibility. The last couple decades have been a wild ride. We've seen the emergence of the Brazilian, which started out as an exotic novelty before becoming the default. 
We've seen Bush come back in fashion, sometimes as a signal of body positivity and sometimes as a retro aesthetic. We've seen the invention of new pubic grooming technologies like lasers. But let us return to the dawn of the modern pube era. It begins, as so many things do, in the 90s. I'd heard about this woman in Soho who saw all the celebrities Mm. and the best wax you've ever had in your life, but you'd have to endure the, like, sadism of this person. She was Mean Christine. That was her name. (laughs) That was what people called her. And I was like, okay, I'm 21. I can do it. You know, I'm a grown-up. It was the beginning of the Brazilian situation. (laughs) And I did it, and I was like, why do people do this? <laughs> no. Like, it just was like, am I the victim of some horrible elaborate scheme? Why did you want to get the wax if no one, if people weren't getting waxes by and large at that point? I've always considered myself a very fashion forward person. And um, I don't know, it just felt like a new frontier that yeah. I wanted to try. I was there in 97, Sex in the City started in 98. It was just in the beginning of kind of like glam New York, sex positive, you know, let's spend a lot of money and, and be gross. What happened to pubic hair between 1998 and now? We decided to take a look back at the recent cultural history. I shouldn't be on the pubic hair beat anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. No, you're so much more than the pubic hair beat. I've just dragged you back to the pubic hair beat for nostalgia's sake. Maureen O'Connor has written a lot about sex and culture, both for The Cut and New York Magazine. A few years back, she did a story called The Full Bush Brazilian, Having It All with Pubes. I regard her as a pube authority. It's been about 25 years now since... Brazilian waxes were like the thing that people discovered in the world. And in fact, it was a set of five Brazilian sisters who had a salon called the J Sisters Salon in New York City. Um, They promoted what they called a Brazilian wax. There's actually really no reason to call it that. They happen to be Brazilian and they happen to say that where they're from, people would just wax more intimately and deeper because they were itsy-bitsy bikinis. This was a theory. (laughs) Deeper, yeah. (laughs) It's a pretty intense way to put it. Deeper. In about 1994, that's when Gwyneth Paltrow, Naomi Campbell, kind of like all of the A-listers become sort of famous J-Sisters fans. Got it. Um, That starts popping up in sort of women's magazine circles, Mm -hmm. um, the idea of how much you wax. And then in the year 2000, probably Sex and the City had an infamous episode in which Carrie inadvertently gets a Brazilian wax. She merely went for a regular (laughs) wax, discovers herself completely denuded, and then, you know, they have a whole episode about the nature of that. I got mugged. She took everything I got. It's called a Brazilian wax. Why didn't you tell her to stop? I tried. I feel like one of those freaking hairless dogs. She must have left something. A triangle, a little landing strip. No, I am totally bald. Around like 2010, technology catches up. There's laser hair removal. A number of celebrities that are like, I don't have a single hair on my body. Kim Kardashian, I remember, was the first person I ever heard say that. And then I was like, what? There's an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians when Kim goes with Chloe to laser hair removal. And there's like this reel that she's like, I can't believe, I don't know why Chloe even has body hair anymore. It's crazy. <laughs> why it's taken her so long is beyond me. Wait, Kim. Kim also catches a glimpse like of Chloe's vagina in like uh-huh. that scene. And she's like, oh my God, I can't believe your vagina isn't disgusting. <laughs> Wait, you have a better like looking vagina than I thought. 
I thought it was going to be really like rashy and gross because like you didn't have laser hair removal. (laughs) (laughs) How do you even live? Yeah. Yeah. But then following that, of course, is like instantly once something becomes like widely adopted by the Kardashians and widely adopted sort of across um, certain sectors of celebrity world. Sure. There's, of course, instantly going to be a backlash. And I think there's a sort of twin rise of. I mean, the combination of even knowing about people's genitals probably comes hand in hand with some level of, like, openness and body positivity. The idea that there is some natural way of being, that, like, one thing is more natural than another, which then, of course, causes its own controversies. And eventually we end up at a sort of— controversies, yes. And, like, ultra-choice feminism. Uh Everybody gets to have whatever they want, and it's going to be different, and you're not allowed to judge anyone. The only thing you're allowed to judge is other people's judgment. You're only allowed to judge other people for judging people's choices. Yes. 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 Because all of the choices are profoundly okay. It is okay that Kim Kardashian has not a single hair on her body, but it is wrong if she calls Chloe's vagina ugly. Of all celebrities, Gwyneth Paltrow was perhaps our greatest pube bellwether. You could track recent trends through her grooming choices. Gwyneth Paltrow, who was one of the early Jay Sisters mm-hmm. proponents, one of like the first celebrities that's like, I don't have any hairs. In um, 2013 announces that she's rocking a, quote, 70s style with her full bush. So she goes back to that. There's some, you know, high profile celebrities and whatnot that are growing their pubes back, et cetera, if they're capable, if they haven't actually permanently lasered it away yet, because some people are physically not capable anymore of having hair. And as Gwyneth goes, so too goes the business. So around like 2014, the Brazilian wax has been in the public consciousness for about 20 years. Yeah. It kind of just instantly disappears. Jay Sisters goes broke. They end up folded into a sort of all-encompassing Medi-Spa in Midtown. Part of the backlash against the Brazilian, I must say, one of the most, like, moving and terrorizing quotes I've read was Cameron Diaz describing that she's like, think it through. Gravity will affect your labia, too. Keep on getting those waxes. That's not going to go well for you. I believe that if you're doing something forever, ever, (laughs) and don't come back, and you might change your mind. And the man who thinks it's sexy now, you might change your mind about him, too. That's from my heart to yours, And then she says, don't you want some hair just to cover it up so no one can see? And I was like, you know what? Not necessarily because of age and gravity, but also just, uh, yeah, maybe we just don't need to look at that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. So I was looking back at um, when I was tracing the sort of history of this, and I realized that the very first issue of Ms. Magazine in 1972, the one with Wonder Woman on the cover, Uh um, one of the articles in that, the message was, body hair, the last frontier. And I was like reading this and I was like, this is exactly the same article that we've been writing for decades now. Once America can embrace pubic hair and armpit hair, then like we are truly free. That sort of creates in some ways this exact stereotype that like has been unbelievably resilient that like a hairy woman is a feminist. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so like specific. I can't think of very many other stylistic choices that have such a clear political telegraphing to them. Totally. Um, In the midst of the body positivity movement, in the midst of people having a sort of more sort of multiplicity in their understanding of gender, of sex, of everything, I think it turned out that it wasn't the final frontier. It turned out that the final frontier was actually just like the choice frontier in some way. Yeah. The thing that always seemed weird to me about like waxing or like super kempt Brazilian as an ideal was that it seemed like it was trying to make crotches cute or something. And like crotches don't want to be cute. Like (laughs) genitals are kind of endearingly ugly. Like that's what they have going for them. (laughs) 
<laughs> you just need to like <laughs> accept that, lean into that. Like, I don't know. Completely true. Like yeah. genitals are always going to be a little weird. Yeah. The hair on genitals are always going to be a little weird. <laughs> Having a body is weird. <laughs> yes, it's completely weird. After the break, a thought-provoking combination of facts and feelings. Welcome back to The Cut on Tuesdays. This week, we are talking about pubic hair. Recently, my pubic hair started to go gray, um, and it's really changed the texture. When they grow in, it's sort of like an adolescent boy's beard. I have always had ginger pubes on uh, salt and pepper right now. My philosophy is that we have earth suits. I call my body my earth suit. I've gotten longer <laughs> in my older age. I feel like the more hair I have, the skinnier I look. Is that crazy? I'm currently in what I'd call winter pube mode. My pubic hair just sticks straight out. Like if I if I allow it to grow out, it kind of looks like a mohawk on my vagina. I'm Mona Chalabi. I'm the data editor at The Guardian. Just going to Google my name and the word pubic hair. Mona is a different kind of pube authority, the kind of pube authority who loves statistics. Back in 2016, she was going through the records tracking how many Americans are admitted to emergency rooms and why. Just for fun, just because I'm like a pathetic teenager inside of me, whenever I open up these spreadsheets, I'm like, ooh, let me do like a search in the spreadsheet for the word labia or penis. And so when I searched the spreadsheet for the word labia, I got all of these results that were about injuries came as a result of people trying to groom their pubic hair. These injuries had descriptions like laceration to right labia. When Mona realized that women were winding up in the emergency room in the course of grooming themselves. She wondered why they kept doing it. So YouGov asked American adults about their attitudes to hair removal, and they found that about 56% of women aged 18 to 29 believe they should remove their pubic hair, right? So that's about half of young women think they should get rid of it. But three quarters of them remove their pubic hair, which means that there's a significant chunk of women who don't think that they should, but they're doing it anyway. And for men, it's the reverse. So about half of men believe they should, but only about a third actually do it. Even if you don't end up in the ER, though, aggressive grooming can be a health hazard. As part of this video series that uh, I made with a former colleague called Vagina Dispatches, we spoke to a gynecologist who was a woman of colour who described that actually it's particularly bad for women of colour to remove their pubic hair, let's say you wax, because our hair is thicker and it's curlier. And that makes it incredibly difficult for it to break through the surface of the skin. And so what you get is ingrowing hairs that get infections that scar over. And once they're scarred over, it's harder for the hairs to break through the skin. And it just becomes this vicious cycle. And a lot of women are left with scarring. Given all this, it's probably no surprise that doctors are not big fans of pube removal, as Mona learned firsthand the last time she went in for a pap smear. When I like put my legs up into the stirrup, the first thing the gynecologist said when she like went down there was, looks great. And I was like, but you haven't even looked yet. And she said, no, the fact that you have pubes, like she didn't say pubes, <laughs> the fact that you have pubic hair here. And she started talking about how from the time that we were designed, you know, when we were basically cave people, that we naturally have hair in three places that are essential to us. And God knows I have hair in many more places than these three, but these are the three that she said. Our heads, our underarms, and then she was like, and our pubic hairs are absolutely essential 
for the healthy maintenance of our bodies. So grooming pubic hair is not hygienic. I'm not here to criticize other women for their choices, but I do think that those choices are made within the patriarchy, right? And my whole point is that the patriarchy can lead us to do things that are damaging. They're not just psychologically damaging. It's not just like, oh, it's like not a good idea to present yourself as a girl rather than a woman because that's not good for society. No, there are health consequences to every decision you make. And sometimes we're doing things that are not particularly kind to our vaginas and removing pubic hair, I would say, is one of them. But even when you know all those facts, you do what you're going to do. Like, to be totally honest, if I'm going to go swimming, I do tidy up the sides a little bit because it's one thing to be like, fuck it, like, fuck the patriarchy. But it's just still embarrassing. It's just embarrassing to be the woman with, like, a bush hanging out. I remove it. It's not even because I think it looks unhygienic or because I think it looks disgusting. It's because I think that if other people see me with it, they will think that I am crazy. (laughs) Pubes defy reason. You don't just identify what is most correct for your health or your politics and then groom accordingly. And that is because pubes are emotional. Even if you've lasered them all off, they're a tangle of associations and fears and memories. I first became aware that I had pubes when I was, I don't know, 11 and I was sitting on the toilet and there was just one black hair that just shot out. And I remember looking down at my vagina and being like, oh my God, it's a pube. You know, like this is the first pube. Here it is. You know, it meant I was like going to get boobs. So that's what I knew was good. <laughs> I made my own Merkin when I was in grade school. I was going out on a date with a group of popular people, and I had zero pubic hair. And for some reason, I thought, well, if someone's hand goes down there, it needs to find something. Never mind that I hadn't yet kissed a boy. Thank God nobody had put their hand down my pants because there was a hair salon full of fluff in my underwear uh, from the doll hair that I had cut and taped to my own pubis. You know, when you're a kid, you don't have pubes. And you, you think everyone's vagina probably looks like yours because that's all you know. And then you see your mom's at one point. I remember thinking my mom had a disease because there's like this dark, hairy bush that I'd never seen before on any – like maybe I'd seen it on that John and Yoko cover. Like that's the only time I think I'd seen a bush was Yoko Ono and my mom's. And boy, that thing was dark as night. When I was in high school, I was at a party and these guys were talking about my friend and they were like, I just get the feeling that she has pubes like steel wool. And at that point, I had no idea that you were supposed to shave your pubic hair or that boys or men seems to find it more attractive. And I went home and shaved my pubic hair and it hurt and it felt awful. I moved to the United States when I was six and the place we moved from was Iran. I'm Iranian. And the place we moved to was Minnesota. And so growing up hairy in a very, very hairless place, everyone was white, like blonde, blue-eyed, white girls. Um, For me, like pubes were like the least of my problems. When you're Iranian, hair removal is just like, it's just a part of your life for so long. Like, you know, you start 
plucking your eyebrows if you want to have two of them and you like start waxing your arms. I think the thing that was confusing to me was just like there's so much attention on hair removal everywhere except pubes. I waxed everything like arms, all the things all through college. It was just so painful and so time-consuming and so boring. And I was just like, I'm, I'm going to be done with this now. Like, I don't live in the hairless place anymore. <laughs> like, When my parents first got divorced, I went on vacation with my mom. And she asked me about how women were wearing their pubic hair these days. She had just started dating after being um, married for 28 years. Um, she wanted to know if she should be waxing or shaving and what men her age were looking for, which is just not something that I could necessarily help her with. I think about aging and how my body is aging, and I look to my pubes for, for signs of, you know, how old I am or how old I look. And when I found a white pube, I freaked the fuck out. I really freaked out. I couldn't believe it. It was like the first time I realized I had pubes and that black hair just sort of shot out. It was the same thing. It was like this white hair was like sticking out. It's like so firm and straight. I was like, damn it. There you are. I can't, I can't deny this. <laughs> you know. But now it's like, am I going to have a salt and pepper pubes? I don't want that. Do people dye their pubes? I don't know. God, oh, another thing. For whom do you groom, besides yourself? This is a crucial question. I'm queer, so in my community, it just doesn't matter as much, I think. Like, it didn't. It just didn't matter. So I started growing hair out everywhere. I've never had complaints. <laughs> the most important part, especially in relationships where I'm with other women, which is the only relationships I've had, um... It's just important that you can get to where you want to go, you know, without the faff of weed whacking. Um, that's really the goal. You know, you don't want to floss with your partner's pubes. But like, I also like pubes. I think there's something nice about them. They sort of trap in your your smell and like not in a bad way. Wow, this is really detailed about my sex life. I broke up with someone because of pubes. It was a two and a half year long relationship. And early on, possibly the first time we got together, I have a very clear memory of him seeing my pubes and having a look of slight disgust on his face. And then I want to say like six months later, he sits me down and he says, I'm sorry, I'm just not attracted to someone who has pubes. Like, I, it's not, it's not me, it's not society. It's just I, I just can't help what I'm attracted by. And I was like, oh, wow, oh, geez. And it was, it was just like sat there like this matzo ball. And then it became this like huge issue in our relationship because I was like, I really don't want to be doing anything and like I hadn't even fully thought about why it was probably you know I just wasn't interested in it and I'm like quite lazy it's a lot of laziness 
So I was like, ah, am I really? And then the other part of me was like, do I really want to break up with this guy because of pubes? It was ultimately two and a half years later. Obviously, we did we did fun stuff in the middle, but it really just, we just like couldn't pass that. And it just like created these huge, these other problems and it just seeped into everything. And then ultimately, we did break up and then we did this like, like a post-breakup, like a couple of months later, and he was like kind of like, oh, maybe we should get back together. What do you think? And I was like, whenever you have that thought, just remember that I have pubes. And he said, oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's it for this week's show. We will see you next Tuesday. And we have a request. On an upcoming episode, we're going to be talking about apologies. When they work, when they don't, and what happens when they're left unsaid. And we want to hear from you. If you could apologize to anyone right now, who would it be? And what would you say? We want you to call us and record an apology. You can say sorry for something you've just done or something you did a long time ago. Could be the ex you dumped when you were 22 could be the supposed friend you bullied in seventh grade. It could be your sister. It could be a stranger. And you can apologize for something big or something really small. Call us at 920-368-3341 and get it out of your system. Again, 920-368-3341. The Cut on Tuesdays is produced by Sarah McVee and Olivia Nat. Our senior producer is Kimmy Regler. We are edited by Stella Bugby, Nazanin Rafsanjani, and Alex Bloomberg, who recently wore a suit and said, I am fancy right now. Special thanks to Lisa Ryan, Jesse David Fox, and Marilyn Minter. Music, sound design, and mixing are by Emma Munger and Haley Shaw. Our theme song is Play It Right by Amelia Meath, Nick Sanborn, Molly Sarley, and Alexandra Souser-Monig. The Cut on Tuesdays is a production of Gimlet Media and The Cut.